Alright, what's going on, man? Welcome back to the channel. I'm Ron, and today we got my Do Not Draft running backs. These are guys that I'm not touching in any redraft leagues, any best ball leagues. Guys that are going at the end of that RB2 range that I don't even, I don't want on any of my teams. So I'm going to go over that in a second, man. Uh, if you're new here, go down below, subscribe, leave a like, comment. Uh, I'm going to be putting out a lot of content between now and week one of the NFL season, so stay tuned for all that. And I'm not going to waste any more of your time or my time, so let's go. So we got Le'Veon Bell, part-time running back, full-time rapper. That boy's ass when it comes to both both jobs. He uh, is going at the 403 as the RB20. I'm not a fan of what Le'Veon Bell has looked like on the field. I don't think this is the same guy that we know uh, from Pittsburgh, the, the guy who was dominating. He's 28 now. I'm a Jets fan. I've been living through this Le'Veon Bell shit. I, I remember when he got signed, I was jumping for joy, whatever, whatever. Jumping for joy to go 7-9 and nine, uh, and a guy who produced nothing. He was 28. He finishes the RB1 in .5 points per game or in .5 PPR leagues despite having the fourth most weighted carries, uh, weighted opportunities. So now weighted opportunities factors in rushes and it, it gives a multiplier on target. Those are the most valuable touches in all of fantasy for running backs. So he had the fourth most weighted opportunities and all he could give us is RB21. He had 246 carries, which was the 11th most, and he only put up 789 rushing yards. In the face of this massive volume, Le'Veon Bell was wildly inefficient. He was outside the top 50 in true yards per carry, yards per touch, big run rate, yards created per touch. Those, those metrics aren't 100% his fault because he's on the Jets. I've been a fan of that team my whole life. And but all we all we got is two years of Mark Sanchez, and, and the rest of that is all a blur of just ass. Just straight ass. Last year was ass. We had Sam Donald with the mono, and even after that, we were still struggling. So Le'Veon Bell's not in the best position, but he didn't help himself much at all, man. Now, in 20, 2020, I don't see the, the Jets situation getting much better. They added Mekai Becton and some other free agents on the O-line, but Pro Football Focus had them going from the 28th best O-line in 2019 at the year's end ranking. And the rankings for 2020 has him as the 27th best O-line. So literally, not much improvement in year one. I think in the future, for any of those Jets fans out there, I think that we're going to see that O-line grow. We're going to see Denzel Mims grow. But for now, Robbie Anderson leaves. We bring in Perriman and Mims. I'm not sure that's really much that's going to do much or move the needle much. I think it's going to be very much the same team in, in 2020. They're going to probably go somewhere around that. That 5-11 and 11 to 7-9 and nine range at the very best 7-9 and nine range. That's on, on the back of a terrible offense. Last year, they had the they were 31st in offensive DVOA, which is an efficiency metric by Football Outsiders. And this all comes with Adam Gase. Adam Gase, he's marketed as some sort of offensive guru, but the guy's high off crack. Who, who knows what this man Adam Gase is doing? He, he doesn't know which players are good. He's forcing guys out of the organization. Would love to have him out of the organization by, by next year. But the Adam Gase, the, the, the classic Adam Gase kiss of death offense is always some ass, man. He's never going to be a great uh, coach, offensive coordinator for fantasy production. He, he kind of does what he wants. He doesn't give players, he doesn't give the talented players the minutes they deserve sometimes. We've, we even saw that in Miami with Devontae Parker. With the minute Adam Gase leaves, Devontae Parker decides to go off. Like, it's, it's not a coincidence, man. The guy, he's not, he's not good news at all. So with that, Le'Veon Bell and what he did last year, it was actually pretty rare that he gave him that many carries. But now they bring they draft Michael P. Ryan in the fourth round. I don't think Michael P. Ryan's a stud by any stretch of imagination. And I don't think Frank Gore is a stud by any stretch of the imagination. They brought in those two running backs. But I think that Gase wants to go back to how in Miami, how he had Kenyon Drake. And uh, who else did he even have? Like Jay Ajayi. He had some kind of like rotation at all times. Or actually, no, Jay Ajayi is probably before then. But Kenyon Drake 
was ass in Miami. He goes to Arizona and then he he goes crazy. It, it's not it's not rocket science. Adam Gase, he I, he's not good for fantasy. He's gonna keep this as a rotation with with Le'Veon or not a rotation, but there's no way he gets the fourth most weighted uh, opportunities again. So I think the Jets the Jets offense is bad news for Le'Veon Bell, and I, I see him as like a top twenty four fringe back based off pure volume alone. The O line's not helping him. The offense isn't helping him. He's going to get his opportunity scaled back. So he's just a guy I'm really staying away from this year. All right, next we got David Johnson. He's going off the board at the uh, 402 and FFPC leagues as the RB19. Everybody is very optimistic about David Johnson right now because they're all looking at his first six weeks. Through those first six weeks prior to injury. Now, why is he why is he the RB19 if he was the RB6 when healthy? Well, his production at face value, in my opinion, when you look at it, okay, RB6, super impressive, but when you when you really do a deep dive into what those weeks entailed, it's it's nothing to be uh, super happy with. A lot of it was on the back of receiving production. He only averaged 49.7 yards per game uh, rushing and only had two rushing touchdowns in those six weeks. He averaged 6.8 targets, five catches, 52.5 receiving yards, and had three total receiving touchdowns in that span. He was getting more yards on the in the air than he was on the ground uh, running the ball between the tackles. That's always the kind of runner he's been. He's, he's a much better pass catcher than runner, and that's honestly fine. But the problem is with this Houston scenario is he's not, he's not going to be cemented as this uh, pass catching back who can also run the ball. He's going to be put into that Carlos Hyde role, and they're expecting him to, to run between the tackles. Deshaun Watson doesn't pass much to the running back. He only had a, the, the running backs in Houston as a whole only had a 14.6% target share last year, and 79% of that target share was to Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson, I think they see more as that satellite back. He might even line up in the slot out of the backfield for catches, swing routes, whatever. But we know that the the player personnel department over in uh, Houston with Bill O'Brien and whatever the fuck he's got going on in that personnel room, I don't think that they're they're really looking at David Johnson as a in the same way that Kingsbury was, you know, a guy that you should be putting in the slot, that you should be motioning out to to, to free up the linebackers, see if they're going man zone. You, you could get a lot, you could get really uh, creative with that, but I don't see Bill O'Brien doing much with it, especially with the fact that Carlos Hyde is the one leaving, not Duke Johnson. So if Carlos Hyde leaves, he get, he gives him 254 vacated carries to work with David Johnson, but the problem is that Hyde only, a tar- uh, only had 16 targets last year. I personally don't see David Johnson getting more than 40 targets this year uh, after Carlos Hyde leaving because Duke Johnson's still there. He's still going to get a lot of targets. And when they start splitting up those targets, David Johnson's not going to get the, the 60, 70, 80 that he probably should be getting as a receiving back. If all of his volume is coming on the ground, we have to look at his efficiency uh, running the ball last year. All right, so David Johnson, uh, in that air raid offense, it actually gave him really good running lanes. He was outside the top 60 with only 6.2 defenders in the box on average, and he had the sixth highest percentage of carries with a light box, yet he still struggled running the ball. He was, 50, he was 55th in true yards per carry, 36th in big run rate, and he was outside the top 45 in juke rate and yards created per touch. So he wasn't doing much in between the tackles. All of his production was on the outside. But in Houston, his role is going to be, he's going to be kind of uh, pegged as that between the tackles back to fill in for Carlos Hyde. And I think it's going to get really ugly. He's he, That's not the kind of back he is, but I know that those are going to be the touches that he's going to get. So he's going to get touches that aren't meaningful to his game and don't make sense for his skill set. And he's an injury liability. We've, we've seen the last three seasons, he hasn't been able to stay on the field. I, I think there's too many red flags in the situation for me to rely on him in the early fourth round. So I'm just not touching David Johnson in leagues this year. All right, last up, we got Devin Singletary. He's going off the board as the RB24 at the in the middle of the fifth round. And in 2019, this boy, he, he impressed a lot of people. He, he impressed me. I, I didn't think he was really too special. 
but he finishes the RB28 with 12.3 points per game and only had the 31st most uh, weighted opportunities among running backs. So he did what he could with what he was given, and he, he proved to be super efficient. Uh, he performed well in plenty of efficiency metrics. He was, he was inside the top five in big run rate, true yards per carry, and juke rate, with plenty of other respectable marks there. But for me personally, I, I still have some question marks for Devin Singletary. He his profile, he doesn't profile as a young stud back. He's not the type of running back that I target uh, in fantasy football. He's he's undersized at 5'7", 203. His workout metrics are terrible across the board. Bottom percentile, 40-yard dash time and speed score, which I, I think can honestly lead to to that. That big run rate for me is still a huge question mark. That big run rate is super promising, but I need to see it one more time before I believe that that wasn't fluky, that wasn't uh, because of the light boxes, it wasn't because... Uh, Maybe some uh, some of the, the linebackers getting freeze towards Josh Allen. I'm just not completely sold on the talent yet. He's he's unathletic, like I said. And he only had a 54th percentile college target share. So I'm not sure really what his passing game uh, role looks like. And the problem is that he's undersized and he doesn't have the athleticism to make up for it. And he doesn't have the receiving ability to make up for it. So he's like an undersized, slow, between-the-tackles guy. And that's not a great uh, that's not a great profile to have. When your team just goes out and drafts a third round running back with a similar uh with a similar profile so zach moss has a similar profile to devin singletary and he also has a similar profile to frank gore a between the tackles guy frank gore frees up 166 carries uh available which i thought was going to be in line for singletary but now zach moss gets thrown into the mix and now singletary doesn't look like the the guy that people thought in the offseason was going to be in line for all these touches zach moss was a third round pick like i said and it's hard for Singletary to outperform the the ADP when the Bills bring in a running back to compete with him. They have Josh Allen in that backfield, uh, vulturing the touchdowns. Singletary only had one goal line carry last year. Uh, Josh Allen does most of the goal line stuff, and if he doesn't, I see Zach Moss taking that role because I know that I know that Frank Gore got some goal, goal line carries last year. But the problem is that Singletary is only five seven two oh three. Zach Moss has a full twenty pounds on him, so I see Zach Moss uh, getting those goal line touches if it's not Josh Allen in the end zone. So. Singletary is going to be in a really tough spot to outperform that ADP of, of RB24. I, fi- I think he finishes fringe uh, 24, but if I'm picking up uh, a back in the fifth round, sixth round, whatever, I'm shooting for upside. I'm shooting for guys that can can outperform their ADP. I- I'm not I'm not going for floor plays there. Those are guys, the, in those spots, I'm going for Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift. Um, I'm going for, for Dobbins. I'm going for, I like Mark Ingram in that spot. There's just a bunch of other guys I like that I can see uh, finishing as a top 15, top 12 back in Singletary. Because of the opportunity, I don't see it. If Zach Moss was to go down, maybe. But even then, the, the Josh Allen rushing does uh, does put some things off. So for me, Singletary is just not a guy that I want. All right, man, if you made it this far, go down below. Leave a like, comment, subscribe. Let me know uh, if there's any players you want me to cover in the future. I'll, I'll go out of my way to make sure somebody's in there. Uh, I got a lot of content coming out uh, right now between now and week one. If there's a week one. It's going to be a week one. Don't even worry about it. Um, we'll have a week one. We'll have football. But from now until, until that week one, if, I don't care if it's in September, November. I don't, I don't care if they have it in the spring. I will have content somewhere two, two, three, four, five videos a week from now until that week one. I'm trying to go crazy. Um, just, just, trying to, just trying to put out the content I love to make, man. Um, as always, follow my Twitter at RonStewart underscore. And I'll see you in the next one.